Welcome to the Getting Messy Podcast, a conversation about walking a life of faith. It's going to be raw. It's likely to get uncomfortable with bumps and potholes and some mud, but I'm going to leave the rocks on the ground. No churchianity, no judgment. I'm just trying to live life the best I can and not cause harm. I'm always going to begin with, I don't know what I don't know. Still in my heart is to stay curious, seek to understand, and love hard. Well, let's get messy. All right, here we are at episode three of this Getting Messy podcast, and it's been an interesting several days. I'm sitting out here, taking some time to myself near an original mirror, and I've been throwing some rocks, which is what I want to talk about next. Rocks, throwing rocks, and what all that's about. Because one of the things about mirrors is that they're fragile. They're not unable to be damaged, whether they're metal or glass or even plexiglass. They can be scratched or broken or, you know, this original here with the stream, the flowing water. Throw a rock there and you get all the ripples and there's all kinds of distortion and mess in the water. In fact, anytime the water moves, the reflection is going to be different. And if the water's cloudy, uh, if there are fish and you get distracted or a turtle, but I really want to focus on rocks and what are rocks and where they come from. I think to start out with rocks and talking about rocks, I'm going to go ahead and take a step back, talk about my faith a little bit and a very important story about rocks that most people who follow Christ are very familiar with. As I get into this episode, I realized it was probably going to end up being a two-parter. Then I fell behind and the episode's coming out a day late. I'm sort of figuring out the learning curve on all this podcast stuff. Um, but I do want to take this episode and start talking about rocks and what I mean regarding rocks and start to make everybody conscious of rocks. Then I'll get more into what we can do with all the rocks around us. And for this, we're going to start out with story time. As I said, there's a familiar story. This story is, a, is about Jesus riding in the sand. Now, if you're not sure what story I'm talking about, you may know it's better as the story of the woman caught in adultery. When I started this project, this podcast, I realized that the title of the story, the way the story is known, is kind of a rock. And it's a rock that's definitely been thrown around for decades because it's been that story title as long as I remember. And so I wanted to make a choice, and I've been calling that story the story of Jesus riding in the sand. Um, but we'll get into that later. Let's get into the story. So the story is Jesus was hanging out somewhere uh, and I'm sure he was teaching and this mob of men came barging in probably loudly and they're dragging a woman along and then they push her down the ground in front of Jesus. Uh, and the mob is identified as this group of religious heavies at the time and they were already a bit ticked off at Jesus and how what he was teaching and how he was teaching. And so they kind of thought this would be a great sort of gotcha moment to get him off balance. In a lot of ways, it sounds like a White House press conference these days. Um, 
Anyway, these guys tell Jesus, hey, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we're supposed to stone her to death. Let's kill her by throwing rocks at her. What do you say? And then Jesus sort of took this whole thing and spun it around because he kneels down, saying nothing, and starts riding in the dirt. Now, for anybody who's you know, been in a place that you ask me a question and they just sort of ignore you or they just kind of turn to do something else, I'm sure it ticked him right off. And uh, I'm sure they started grumbling at each other. What's, what's this guy doing? What, what, what is going on? Again, they probably got to a little dull roar. Clearly, Jesus is not giving them the answer they want. So someone probably gets fed up and says, Hey, I have this rock here. We need an answer, right? What do you want to do? Jesus decides it's time to give him an answer. So he maybe stands up, maybe looks up. But anyway, he says, Okay, sure, yeah, you can stone her. But... Let the one without sin, the one without any personal failing in your faith, or let that person, the person who's perfect, let him throw the first rock, which is a pretty solid call out. It's like you who aren't guilty, you, you can throw first. It's also definitely not the answer these guys were looking for. But Jesus says a few words, pops back down, and starts writing in the dirt again. And I think what happens next is the key to the whole story, because... One by one, these guys, these men, drop the rocks and walk away. I'm sure roll around them this sound of rocks thudding in the dirt, a little dust flying, until the only sound left is Jesus riding in the dirt. And once he's gone, Jesus stops and probably raises the woman's face to meet his and asks her quietly, I mean, he's right there, just the two of them, who condemns you? And I'm sure she's a little shocked she probably finally takes a breath and looks around and there's nothing but a bunch of rocks all around on the ground and no one in the mob left so she replies jesus no one and jesus response is well i don't either and go and sin no more this whole sin thing we'll talk about at a later date but you know there's here it is it's kind of a huge moment for her you know walking away from a death sentence and there's a whole lot in the story but i want to focus on the rocks and throwing rocks. All right, so rocks. Why do we throw rocks? Because I'm a boy. I've raised boys. I've hung out with boys. Boys like to throw rocks. Kids like to throw rocks. A lot of us like to throw rocks. Why do we like to throw rocks? I mean, I think it's just, we just do. You've heard before the, the rocks hitting the, the water, the plunk, plunk or skipping rocks across the water to see how many times you can skip them. You know, that's another way of throwing rocks. Maybe you throw rocks against a, a wall, hear the sound. Cliches of guys throwing rocks at their girl's window at night to get their attention. Hey, come out here, throwing rocks up there. You know, we've been throwing rocks for, for years. So all the anthropological research and archeology, span they're all about finding stone tools, tools made of rocks. Rocks that are sharp to cut the skin off animals. Rocks to pound things together. Rocks to you know, build together to hold walls. I think we're all familiar with the use of rocks as weapons. And there's a whole story about David killing Goliath with a rock that he slung at him. Clocked him right between the eyes. And so, in some ways, we've always known that rocks are both tools and weapons. It has been for years. And I say it again, because I was down by the water, 
it's kind of fun to throw rocks, right? Let's stick with this tools and weapons things and how I think this rock thing comes together. This is, and it kind of comes from my whole take on the whole uh, Maslow thing. If you're not aware of, there's a guy, Maslow, who made up this theory about his hierarchy of needs. We built a pyramid that has like five layers and there's the very bottom uh, layer of food and shelter and all those, and then the next layer of safety. And then there's a third layer that's belonging, has to do with interacting with people. Both the fourth and fifth layers are self-improvement and self-awareness, building up all these different needs. And I mean, there's a lot of challenges to this Maslow thing, this hierarchy, that it's not necessarily you have to meet one before you can meet the other. So I've been digging in that and started thinking wants, needs, maybe fit more of the visual idea. Maybe you have this pyramid, this triangle, this structure, but it's visually, it's just a little taller than we are generally, you know, average person. Like you're eye to eye with the third tier of this stack that has to do with relationships and seeing other people. You know, the bottom first two tiers, they're like foundational, the food, shelter, safety. Those are pretty easy to define. The belonging is one of those things that on one hand, as infants, we are, get belonging from our parents. And then as we grow and come more eye to eye with that belonging level, then we look out and we see other people come into that as well. And then the upper two tiers are a little more difficult to define. They require looking kind of up or beyond ourselves, the self-actualization being the, the top. And just as I was saying, like you grow up, you grow into those levels and you grow into that level three looking at each other. And initially in our lives, we have our parents. As we talked earlier, they're our mirrors and they're giving us food and shelter and safety and providing this and providing the belonging to this family, which again, there's a whole another conversation about you know, belonging to a family, nurture, nature, those sort of things. But generally speaking, that's where we, we get it. We get that from our family until we're at the age, at the height where we kind of can look out and we have other mirrors that are coming in at us. But all of those things are pretty easy to get at. As we're growing, we are taught stories and told things about our parents uh, to look up. What do you want to be when you grow up? This is usually when people are introduced to religion as part of your family. But you have this whole stack that is essentially part of your identity. And that growth comes from all of that stack and how it's balanced. Moving forward, I kind of think that maybe the theory of the Maslow hierarchy of needs should be maybe modified to the Maslow, the Hugh, Jenga of needs and wants, because it does seem like there's this stack and sometimes the stack is uneven. We keep having to change sort of priorities and needs when we need this and when we need that. I think this set of needs, this set of things that, that sort of defines, again, our identity is really the beginning of messy in our lives. Because at some point we, as children, start to express what we want. Sometimes what we want is different from what our parents want or want for us. And uh, we end up finding ourselves in some conflict and disagreements. These mirrors that have been reflecting all of this positive is suddenly reflecting back something that maybe we don't like. Sometimes the reflection is a refraction. Is there other stuff going on? Because clearly if we're all messy, then our parents probably can't be perfect mirrors. So the question is becomes when we kind of where we're getting messy, where our wants, those things on that hierarchy and that Jenga, we disagree with each other. Well, I want something, somebody else wants something else. And I think it's also kind of a 
a bit of a reflection on society. If you remember, I said the things that were at the bottom, basically food, shelter, safety, those sort of things are easy to define and easy to see. And it's easy to see when you have a, a deficiency, if something of that's missing, all the way up to the, the middle, the, the eye level, how many friends, how many people are around. But I think that focus for all of us tends to be closer to the bottom because it's sort of easily defined. I think more of our disagreements, uh, just looking around at news and at families and at everything, even at stories, those disagreements focus on stuff at the bottom. The bottom stuff is the things that everybody needs. At some point, that's also the thing that's easiest to get more of. So much so that I think that we've, we've developed a disease of more. More stuff, we can have more of this, more house, bigger house, better car, better clothes, uh, latest game, latest phone. Uh, again, more stuff, stuff, stuff. Even, even all the container ships that are stuck out in different harbors these right now, we just have more stuff. I think there's a Dr. Stu's story about stuff. Remembering that third tier and that food and belonging, we've developed a more disease with regards to social media. How many likes, followers, subscribers? So more likes, I need more likes, I need more subscribers. And of course, when any of those three levels is threatened, whenever our more is threatened, I'm gonna pick up this rock. And I know the Bible has plenty of stories throwing rocks, and I'm sure there's many more in history that aren't written down, but I mean, if you think about it, maybe my more was threatened, or maybe just not even my more, just my I need in the 20s when the stock market crashed. But I know that people threw rocks at bank windows. We've got videos and pictures, World War II, in the same sort of time period, Nazis throwing rocks at Jewish businesses, their windows, or in homes, Jewish ghettos. I know we have footage of people throwing rocks in the South at uh, black homes, black businesses, black individuals. And all this threatening, a perceived threat of our more, that's where it's coming from. So-and-so is coming to take our jobs or bring diseases or threaten our way of life, our more. And we have to remember there are consequences to throwing rocks. I recently watched this movie called The Forgotten War and thinking about this single rock thrown at a truck, caused an accident, killed a couple of German soldiers. But throwing of that rock in response to another person's act almost led to the failure of this operation. At least it's dramatizing the story. But if you think about it, like rocks thrown in the water, rocks cause ripples. Even rocks thrown at mirrors, they sometimes cause ripples or cracks to go throughout. And so it's real clear, we have all kinds of rocks around us looking around. Where I am in you know, central Texas, there's all kinds of rocks on the ground. But we also have other rocks. We have knives, which are sharp rocks. And we have bullets, which are very small rocks thrown at a very high velocity. And we have bombs, huge rocks thrown or dropped from far away. The person throwing the rock can be further and further away from the target. And now we have new rocks. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about that phrase or that nursery rhyme that many of us remember, you know, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I think pretty clear that that's not true. In fact, these days words often cause more harm, more damage than an actual stick or a stone. I remember again, the movie Dodgeball, they ha he has the, the character has that line, if you can dodge a 
blank, you can dodge a ball. But words are really difficult to dodge, especially if they're broadcast. Because I've read some stories recently, a couple of them I'm sure you've heard of, but the one most recently is a man posted a video of a woman in a park and exchanging words and claimed that she told them to go back to their hood. Well, that got posted and responded and the woman ended up losing her job. We've heard about this in several instances. People losing their jobs over things that they say words or how those words get turned around against them. And they do and they can hurt a whole lot more and cause a lot more damage than even just a regular stick and stone. So real quick, what do we do about all this? Well, kind of look back at the story, this event sort of plan, a team part in three parts is how it happens. We start with the idea of how the mob thinks it's gonna go down or how I is this person, right? Oh yeah, I caught you doing what I want or you're threatening my more, you're threatening my stuff. That's part one. Part two, so I'm gonna make you regret what you did. And then part three, me, and everyone will never forget this. I'm the hero, I'm throwing this rock. Doing it, making an evidence, right? And if I'm being honest, that's kind of familiar to what, what I'm thinking when I lean down to pick up a rock, or when I'm typing up a response, or thinking up a response, or you know, it's kind of where that's coming from, right? Anyone else? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you pay and I'm gonna look like a hero, right? But here's how the story really went down. I was like, oh yeah, same thing, right? Oh yeah, I caught you not doing what I want, threatening my more, those sort of things. Then Jesus leans down and starts writing in the dirt, which translates to, whoa now, let's take a breath and think for a minute. If you sure you aren't guilty of anything, then yeah, you can throw first. So then the third, part is like, wow, that's not exactly how I thought this would go. And if I throw rock or if I do this, boy, I'm gonna look like a total jerk. And I doubt we're ever gonna be in a place where we're gonna be in the dirt and Jesus is riding. But for me, it's that thing that what's Jesus caused the pause is what I call it. We kind of did both parts of it. The first part of the pause is really just to stop and take a breath. And then the second part is to really think and look at the mirror. Look at the mirror you're looking at and look at the mirror you're looking through before you actually decide what action, if any, you need to take. Which reminds me of my time in the Navy. The reactor plant was run in the box called the maneuvering box that had the reactor control panel and the electrical control panel and the throttle, which is what made the submarine go. And we used to run all kinds of drills because you know it's what military does, you have to be ready for anything. Accidents, things happen. And when running all these drills, or when doing anything with this nuclear reactor plant, whenever something happened that looked like it was gonna be a problem, a casualty or something like that, the first rule that they always told the operators in there was to take your hands off the panel and actually sit on them. Because there was a, a sort of a natural balance, a natural steady state that this plant would find itself in. And once it found that, you could then look and evaluate the dials and indicators and know what exactly the next steps you needed to take were. Which I think is kind of the same thing, it's, it's, it's in the pause. So when you get to the, oh yeah, I caught you not doing what I want. And you have to be honest about what that is. You know what, I'm, whoa, I'm offended. That offends me or that, that hurt my feelings. I don't think that's fair. Or you made me uncomfortable, you made me feel uncomfortable. 
if you're looking at responding to a mirror. But part of it is being, you know, acknowledging like, hey, this is my want. You're impacting. You may be impacting my more. So then we get to, whoa, now. Let's take a breath and think for a minute. And this is the opportunity to get curious and messy. Hey, how about you put down that rock? Or, dang it, what's this rock doing in my hand? But in that breath to just stop and be curious and ask those questions, really being able, being vulnerable to say, yeah, I'm offended, whoa, okay, what exactly, how did I offend you? Or if it's not fair, all right, how is it that you think it's not fair? And really have an open conversation. Because the other thing is, once you pick up a rock, the other person's gonna pick up a rock. And since these Maslow Hugh Jingas of needs don't grow by themselves, if you throw one rock and knock a Jenga down, I guarantee you're gonna knock other Jingas down. But instead, if we leave the rocks on the ground and have these messy conversations, then we can stabilize each other's Jingas and figure out how to grow stronger. So that's my thing about rocks. When we look at our needs and wants, and we can talk about this later, do we really need, or is it want more, if we're looking at more? And if our more, if we think our more is being threatened, what are we afraid of that's actually being threatened? Or are we just being consumed by the fear that it might? And if anything else, if we're willing to get messy, if we're willing to be vulnerable and take the time to talk, what's gonna happen? to that fear. And in the end, if we leave the rocks on the ground, what's gonna happen to all of these mirrors? Thank you for listening. If any of this was useful to you, I'm really grateful. If you would, do me a favor and click on subscribe to keep listening to this mess. You can also find me on Instagram at Getting Messy Podcast, and there you can shoot me a note, make a comment, or ask a question. Feel free to share this with anyone else you think might benefit from getting messy. And remember, I'm on your side, so stay safe and see you soon.